Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions presents The DFS Lineup Lock Hour Sponsored by DailyRoto.com DFS, DFS, Lineup Lock Live I have Gabriel Maranci, Cam Stewart has left the building but we've got a pretty good replacement stepping up and in. I did enjoy talking Eddie Goodell. And you know what? I, didn't, I just sort of assume everyone sort of knows Major League Baseball's history and sort of the stunts of, of past stuff. So if you don't know the Eddie Goodell story, we hope you enjoyed that. Let's bring in uh, Drew Dinkmeyer right now to talk some Major League Baseball DFS. And you know the Eddie Goodell story, Drink, uh, uh, D- uh, Drew. And uh, Eddie Goodell, three foot uh, seven, one at bat in 1951. Bill Veck brings him in, so he's got a, a 1,000, uh, 1,000 uh, career on base percentage. Not too bad. Great fantasy player. Yeah, never, never made an out in his career. That's a good career. <laughs> they said the strike zone was an inch and a half. <laughs> Not a lot of room to work with uh, back then in, in in that specific matchup. Uh, hopefully, a little bit wider strike zone for some of the pitchers we're targeting tonight. Such a politically correct. You, you never. You're not getting away with this in today's day. Age, yeah? Like baseball's just so a little, little, little different. And it was just. It was brilliant that he actually he did this on like a Friday. He filed the paperwork on a Friday, knowing that it would get accepted, but they really wouldn't know what was in the paperwork until Monday. Right. So you know, it was 1951. No computers and everything. So it was sure enough on like Monday they found out what he did and they, they were pissed, but. Nevertheless, so let, let's uh, jump in uh, here, Drew. Uh, tonight, I don't know. I was looking at the, the board tonight. What, what, what was your lineup? What was your initial like when you look at you look at a slate in a night? Do you get that feeling like, oh, I love this slate, or ah, or, I kind of it's a grind? What was your initial reaction when you saw the slate today? I think this slate is a little bit more of a grind. Um, it has a lot of really high end pitching, and it has some really low end pitching. And it had the low end pitching is going up against some of the weaker offenses, but in really good offensive environments, whether due to uh, temperatures being high in like Kansas City or whether it being Coors Field. So it's kind of a tricky slate to figure out what you want to prioritize. And then you've got some weather concerns around the slate. So it's not a very clean slate. It's a little bit of a challenging one to me, even though it's a you know, pretty big slate, nine games uh, on DraftKings 10 if you're playing on uh, FanDuel whenever that, that Yankees-Washington game uh, wraps up so it's it's not the easiest of slates for me yeah you know what I felt I felt the same way about this slate I was happy to see I I, w- I wasn't expecting there to be nine games on, on a Monday night and I was like all right good uh, we have a little bit more of a choice than I thought and it's funny I was going through each game game by game I didn't like anybody really <laughs> you know there's a few dudes I did but I was like I don't know, nothing's really really jumping off the page but let's jump in right now and talk about uh, talk about the pitchers and how you want to approach the pitching. 
couple of expensive arms on a hill. You got Garrett uh, Garrett Cole hosting Tampa Bay tonight. Trevor Bauer gets uh, the White Sox. Uh, Degrom's on the hill, but it's in uh, it's in Colorado tonight. What's your thought on on the pitching slate? Yeah, I think those three guys are really high end fantasy options. They all generate tons of strikeouts. Uh, in, in Bauer and Cole's presence, you've got just incredible matchups with the two of them, both at home, both huge favorites pushing minus 275 or higher, uh, both facing bottom five 10-ish offenses against right-handed pitching. Um, so they really separate themselves from Jacob deGrom. Now, Bauer has some weather concerns. There's going to be some rain in the area in Cleveland, and it's just kind of a matter of when the rain comes. So I think Cole is going to be the much more popular choice between the two, but we have them projecting very similarly. So in tournaments, if you want to take advantage and, and risk some of the weather and take advantage of Trevor Bauer coming in at much lower ownership, which is what I would expect given that he has a higher implied total against, he has these weather concerns, and Garrett Cole's been so consistent and so good all year, I think Bauer's a really, really good tournament play. So let me ask you, so when you have two pitchers like this, when there's two or three, let's say, aces, is it crazy to play them both? Because it seems to me oftentimes I'll take a cheaper picture and I'm leaving good good arms on the table because I want to stack up on bats. But, you know, batting is such a random thing. You know what I mean? A guy can go for four one day and, you know, two for four the next day. But it seems like, you know, what you're almost going to get from a picture is it – how do you approach that? Do you ever take, like, two of the top arms and then just – think all right i'm i know i'm gonna get points from these two guys and then hope for the best for the bats is it are pitchers more reliable to get you points drew than than a big bat is yeah they are uh and by a wide margin it's it's something you have to flip your mind around on because if you've if you've come to daily fantasy baseball being trained in seasonal fantasy baseball all you hear all all draft season is how pitching is so much of a crapshoot and there's so much variance and it's and hitters are so much more predictable and that's where you should be spending uh, your your funds early in drafts, but in daily fantasy baseball, it's the exact opposite because on a single day, we don't have to worry about pitchers' health. Um, so that's what uh, accounts for most of the variance in a seasonal aspect. And so since we know pitchers are healthy and we can diagnose their matchups on a day-to-day basis, they're much more projectable than hitters. Now, in terms of lineup construction and how that, that goes down, I would say it's really dependent on what kind of format you're playing in. If you're playing in double-ups or head-to-heads or you know games where it's rewarding a higher percentage of the field in, in the money, I think those are lineups you want to build with more consistency, and you generally will build with a little bit more of an emphasis on pitching. If you're trying to win a GPP with 100,000 entries, yeah. you know, you're probably capping your offensive upside a little bit, and you're probably better off building teams that have you know, maybe one high-end pitcher and then leave you enough room to build out a higher upside offense. It just seems. I know it's, I'm, I'm not great at um... – at the analytics of this, but it struck me as I kept going for value. And I was like, man, as you just stated, like an average pitcher at a pretty cheap price can give you 18 DK points or 23 DK points. That's a big night for a batter, you know, like an average batter. You're not, you're not going to get that. So looking at tonight, um, who are some of the mid tier pitchers? We talked about the big boys um, at the top of the board. Who are some of the other guys that you would take a look at if somebody wants to go with one ace and then a mid-tier uh, affordable pitcher? Yeah, I think there's three guys on DraftKings that, that kind of jump out as the mid-tier prices, and they all come with different levels of, of risk associated with them. The first one that is really appealing from a price tag perspective and from an upside perspective is Nick Pavetta. 
The problem with Nick Pavetta is he's had a string of like four starts in a row where he just hasn't thrown the ball very well. He hasn't worked deep into the games. And that dominant Nick Pavetta we saw early in the season just hasn't been around. So you always worry with some of these, with pitchers, especially when they go through a cold streak, if there's something you don't know about lurking in the arm that's a little bit of a concern. His velocity's been fine. The command's been iffy. Um, but he's 7,300. He's really underpriced. He's facing a, a Cardinals lineup that's primarily right-handed. So I have the platoon edge on a lot of guys. Uh, the most skilled, consistent guy is Zach Greinke at 8,700, but he's facing an Angels lineup that doesn't strike out a lot, which reduces the upside for DFS. And Greinke himself hasn't been great the last few starts. Um, but 8,700, again, this is Zach Greinke, who you usually get at 10K+. plus, So it's a pretty good discount there. And then the one guy that is like the Vegas darling tonight is Andrew Suarez, who has just a 3.1 implied total against facing the Marlins at home. He's a minus 160 favorite. He's only 6,800. The challenge with him is he doesn't strike out a ton of righties, and the Marlins generally have a lot of contact-oriented righties, um, but they don't really pose a threat. So he's he looks good to prevent runs, but he might not score as well in DFS purposes because he might not generate as many strikeouts as some of the guys priced around him. And the Marlins are, are winning baseball games right now. Do you do – you, um... Is like winning when you take a pitcher is winning like imperative or will you accept a pitcher maybe not getting the decision or a win to rack up some points with them? No, strikeouts are the things that are imperative with pitchers because they're the most projectable. It's it's not it's really not that difficult to project strikeouts once you know the lineup. Um, yeah. Generally, we're in a pretty good position to do so, and they're the most guaranteed source of points. You know, a strikeout is worth like two two and a half points, and a win is worth like three or four points. Uh, so. I'd rather take the chance on projecting strikeouts than wins, which are more variant due to bullpens, due to offensive performances, different things like that. So I don't mind taking pitchers that are underdogs. I don't mind taking pitchers that have decent implied totals against. I only care about pitchers that can generate strikeouts because that's the biggest key to DFS pitching. Yeah, because I only asked that just because I think the Marlins could win. But, yeah, I, yep. I hear we're going fast. So let's look at this from an offensive perspective right now a little bit. And not to be uh, Captain Obvious, uh, but Bartolo Colon on the hill here this evening. And, you know, there was a lot of earlier in the season, sort of, you don't know what you're going to get from Bartolo. But right now, the regression has kicked in, very similar to last year, in which he looked good early. And as the summer progresses and the temperatures rise, etc. And he is 44 years old. Eight earned runs in the last start. There was the two before. He got some run support early against uh, Mengden, I believe it was, in Oakland in this, the second start. But the start before that, he got rocked by the Angels. It's the highest total of the board here tonight, along with the Colorado and the Met game. But you got DeGrom there. So uh, do you have a problem with uh, stacking uh, Royals bats? Do you like anyone on KC tonight? Yeah, and KC's pretty affordable as well. The challenge is, is that KC's not a very good offense. So it's a yeah. little bit of... Uh, like Alex Gordon's you know, dirt cheap, but he exactly, sucks, right? <laughs> exactly. So he's one of our top values on the slate, but it's very uncomfortable. I mean, he has he's basically hit just like Alcides Escobar has the last two years. Um, and Alcides Escobar is hitting like six or seven now in their lineup because they lost Jorge Soler and they lost some depth to their lineup. Um, the conditions are really good in Kansas City for hitting. It's high 80s, low 90s. The wind is blowing out to left field at over 10 miles an hour. So it's really good hitting conditions. Both teams have below average bullpens. That's why you're seeing that high implied total or that high total for, for both teams in this game. I think the Royals are fine targets. You're going to be able to get them cheap. I think they'll be popular. And I think Texas will be popular too. Um, but I think rightfully so. That game is a game that features a lot of home run potential when Ian Kennedy and Bartolo Colon, two guys who give up a lot of fly balls, uh, are on the mound. 
So speaking of strikeouts, Kennedy can rack up strikeouts. As a gambling man, I've taken Kennedy a couple of times. I almost enjoy the rush of it, though, <laughs> to see what, what we're going to get out of him. And Texas is often all or nothing, but I know a lot of people are looking. I know I, I read a lot of different sites today and uh, hearing people talk about the, the Texas Rangers. Ooh, love the Rangers bats tonight. Are you one of them? Yeah, we like the Rangers bats. I mean, it's it's one of these things where it's again, it's it's uncomfortable in terms of the offenses that you're attacking on the slate, whether it's Texas or whether it's Kansas City or whether it's the Mets, who are the worst team in the league against left-handed pitching, but are going into Coors Field. None of these offenses make you feel great, but the matchups in terms of the ballparks, the weather conditions, and the opposing pitchers help that along. Kennedy is probably the the most reasonable DFS upside guy of the pitchers that those teams are facing because he can generate strikeouts but man when you get the wind blowing out and you get warm weather for a guy who relies so heavily on fly balls you're gonna have to get lucky in, in some morning track uh outs instead of those balls leaving the park and that'll ultimately be the decider for for texas tonight is how many of those balls leave the park because they're gonna hit a lot of fly balls against ian kennedy uh i'm gabriel Redsey, drew dinkmeyer uh joining so we got a couple of minutes left uh with drew uh, Williams has been hit hard as of late. Milwaukee and Pittsburgh. I like Milwaukee to win this baseball game, which is seen on the hill tonight. What do you make of this one? Do you like anybody uh, on Milwaukee tonight? We like Eric Thames a lot. We always like Eric Thames when he faces yeah. right-handed pitching. He's been a monster since he came over last year against right-handed pitching. He hits leadoff. And the thing about you know Pittsburgh, it's a good pitcher's park in general, but it's much, much more difficult on right-handed bats than it is on left-handed bats because they have that huge left-center field that it just seems impossible to get the ball out to, whereas they have kind of a, a smaller uh, right field that you can kind of launch balls into the river there. So I think Eric Thames is, is a pretty interesting bat for Milwaukee, but outside of that, there's not a ton that I like. I will say this, though. With Milwaukee, they always have GPP upside, even when they have lower totals, because they have guys that not only can hit home runs, but run. Guys like Lorenzo Cain, Kristen Yelich, in the lineup tonight, uh, Hernan Perez is a guy that can run a little bit, too. And so when you can get them at low ownership, which I think you can on this slate, uh, even in a bad park, I think they're somewhat interesting because they can make up for more DFS upside because they're willing to run as well. Uh, we got the Dodgers. Dodgers play great baseball right now. Such a streaky team, uh, this Los Angeles Dodgers team. Matt Kemp having a great season. Uh, they get Chatwood uh, tonight. What, what's your make on uh, on the Dodgers uh, game tonight at Wrigley? Yeah, there's some weather risk around that one, too. Uh, the, any game with Tyler Chatwood on the mound is infuriating. I'm a Cubs fan, so it's infuriating from my perspective, but it's also infuriating <laughs> for, for DFS because it's either ground balls and soft contact or it's walks. And for DFS, you know, walks don't really pay the bills, but if they come in a bunch of in bunches, you can get big innings. And so Tyler Chatwood's an interesting guy to stack against if you can get to the Cubs' bullpen early. The challenge is the Cubs' bullpen is pretty good, too. Um, so I'm kind of torn on this one. I think the Dodgers are more interesting than the Cubs uh, in terms of their hitters, uh, but I don't think either pitcher is particularly interesting. And with the wind blowing in at Wrigley, it's probably a game I'm more likely to avoid than play. But if I was going to play anybody from it, it would probably be on the Dodgers' side with some of those lefties that show good plate patience and a little bit of power, guys like Jock Peterson, Yasmani Grandal. You know, we didn't uh, – this back to pitchers. We didn't bring this up, but I was talking about this earlier from a betting uh, perspective. In the last 16 games, Drew, the Chicago White Sox are 14-1 and 1 to the under. Uh, there's just no runs in these games. These guys can really pitch. You know, we didn't talk about Dylan Covey tonight, but this kid's been unbelievable, man. 
Yeah, he's driving our projection system nuts because he's throwing harder <laughs> harder this year than he ever has by like two miles an hour. And he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball the last few years whenever he got opportunities. And this year, he's pitching really well. He's got a 2.16 uh, FIP, fielding, fielding Independent Pitching ERA. He's got a 229 real ERA with a 61% ground ball rate. He's been incredible. And it's kind of come a little bit out of nowhere. So it's giving our projection system fits. I'm sure it's giving Vegas fits in terms of the implied totals that are going up against this guy. Um, the Indians just faced him last week, and they generated like double-digit hits but didn't really push runs across. Um, so he's a, he's a difficult matchup. And then you add in some, some weather risk in terms of potentially shortening that game a little bit. And it's a little bit of a scary game to kind of try to pick on. Hey, Drew, I always love talking baseball and uh, learning, uh, learning about DFS baseball with you. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks so much, Gabe. There's a uh, Drew Dinkmeyer uh, with us. We'll run down the trends. We'll share our best uh, bets of the day. Check in, maybe a quick market watch. Who's making money? Who's losing money? Lineup Lock Live continues. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. for joining us. He mentioned weather on a couple of occasions. Of course, uh, the summer. I don't know, when's the summer technically start? A couple of days? It's like June, June 21st or something like that? I don't know. But obviously the temperatures are uh, temperatures are uh, rising. Humidity factors are, are rising. Hot as hell uh, here. Drew Dinkmeyer gave us a lot to think about. We've got a Major League Baseball lineup uh, to share uh, with you that we'll get to uh, in a couple of moments' uh, time. We've got some Major League Baseball trends of the day to get to as well. We'll uh, recap what went down in the World uh, Cup. I've got thousands of dollars in parlays that are suddenly in a lot of freaking trouble uh, right now. And uh, a lot of the uh, the major contenders and the major uh, title contenders and uh, favorites going into uh, Russia, all struggling out of the gate. And, you know, there's only three games in these round robins, so there's not a lot of room for error. But nevertheless, so we're talking about the weather here. Uh, a little little bit windy in uh, in Pittsburgh uh, here this evening. Uh, 40% chance of uh, thunderstorms tonight in Cleveland, which, as Drew mentioned, for DFS purposes, now even for betting purposes, I don't like this. And it upsets me. And I'm going to play the parlay. I'm going to play the public parlay here with the Cleveland Indians. And the, I'm sick and tired of the Indians screwing me and costing me money on these parlays. I'll play I'll play Bauer and I'll play Cole, parlay together. It's like minus 124 uh, right now. But I always hate it when you're betting and you're sort of betting on a team because of who the pitcher is. 
on that on that given uh, on that given night, and there's rain delays or there's weather, it screws pitchers up, man. It just does, and it changes everything. And sometimes if it's a prolonged delay, the guy that you thought was going to be the starting pitcher doesn't come back in a baseball game. Now, of course, it's always the the you know the action or starting listed starting pitchers must pitch when you bet a baseball game. So you know you're betting on Bauer. Bauer can start this game. There could be an hour and a half rain delay, and he doesn't come back out after, and you get screwed. So for for DFS purposes, it, it is always risky when weather uh, wet, when the weather is risky. And there's a forty percent chance of a thunderstorms uh, tonight, increasing by seventy percent by nine p.m. in Cleveland. So in other words, it's gonna rain in Cleveland. Now Drew mentioned it could be a shortened game as well. In Chicago, there's a 50% chance of thunderstorms uh, this evening, dying down to 30% uh, by about 9 o'clock uh, local time in Chicago. Kansas City, Drew mentioned the winds. Not just winds, but a hot wind. 14-mile-an-hour winds blowing out of Kauffman Stadium uh, this evening. But that's why the, you know the, we got a total of 9.5 uh, there. So we went over some of the uh, the trends here of the the hotter teams in in baseball and some of the colder teams uh, right now. We'll get to a little market watch a little bit later on. But Baltimore Orioles have been burning money. They're one and nine in the last ten. Colorado's four and twelve in their last sixteen games. Detroit's five and zero oh, uh, in their last five. Houston have won eleven straight baseball games. The Kansas City Royals are money burners. They're one and twelve in their last thirteen. We talk about the White Sox being fourteen one and one to the under in their last sixteen games. Cincinnati Reds are five and uh, one to the under. Colorado have been an over machine, but it's Degrom on the hill tonight. Fourteen two and one to the over in their last seventeen games, and the Philadelphia Phillies have seven overs in their last nine games. So let's get into our uh, DFS lineup. We'll get back to some of the uh, Major League Baseball trends of the day. We're going to start off with Trevor Bauer as one of our pitchers. Very interesting. You know, I don't know if it just was an obvious an obvious question, but, you know, we often hear people, well, I'm going to save, I'm going to buy down. And look, I'm generally buy down, and I do a good job of finding great pitchers at good prices. Or not great pitchers, crappy pitchers at good prices that are going to produce, I should say. You know, that's one thing I've done well uh, this summer is pick pick good pitchers in DraftKings, but it's not helping me enough because my bats suck. And, you know, you you know, I think we are, as Drew stated, you are better off just stacking the pitchers because of the variables that you're going to get. Nothing is, uh, there's never never anything um, blanket. You know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, you just blindly always do it. But so anyways, we're going to, you know, I didn't go with Bauer and Cole tonight, although it probably would have been a bad idea. If you do it, you've got about $3,100 left for everybody else after the fact. So you really are going to have to strike gold, but at least you know what you're going to be getting for the pitchers. And what we know from Trevor Bauer is he struck out at least 11, 11 hitters in each of his last four starts. Um, he struck out 12 Chicago White Sox last week, actually. They scored uh, three runs on him, which was actually quite a surprise. He only gave up four hits, and they ended up getting three runs out of him in seven and two-thirds uh, of innings. Uh, he's got a 31.1% strikeout rate uh, this year. Left-handers hitting 209 against them. Right-handers 209. Very, very impressive. Everybody talks about uh, Corey Kluber 
And uh, Kluber's been a money burner this year. Everybody talks about Carrasco. But uh, Trevor Bauer's a freaking stud, man. So uh, Trevor Bauer will be one of our pitchers. This guy, next guy, not so much a stud. We're rolling the dice here. <laughs> Majorly rolling the dice. Listen, I was going to go with Shasin in Milwaukee, but I have a feeling that Kennedy shows up tonight. Um, Kennedy's coming off the best start of his uh, of the season, actually, against Cincinnati. All right, he didn't get uh, he didn't get the win, but uh, he only gave up three hits against uh, in eight innings in this game. In his last uh, two starts, he's only given up one run. All right, so Kennedy's actually pitched pretty well. You know, this game is is a high total. I don't know, man. Like we're we're rolling the dice out here. We really are, and. You know, Kennedy is $5,600, man. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you can go with Chatwood tonight if you wanted instead at that type of price. I was actually dumb enough to take Stanek in his last start, and uh, he only went uh, one and a third. I was hoping, uh, I was under the impression that he was going to go like three or something like that. Stanek's the cheapest pitcher at $4,000 tonight. So, like I said, Kennedy's been good in his last two uh, his last two starts. I mean, he's got uh, his last start. He racked up twenty four DK points, twenty four DraftKings points. Start before thirteen point three. You know, for fifty six hundred dollars, it's not bad. So we're hoping uh, we're hoping for the best. I was hoping that Evan Gaddis is going to be in the lineup uh, tonight, but Evan Gaddis is not in the lineup tonight. So we'll go with uh, we'll go with Real Mudo. It's a little menudo time at uh, at catcher uh, this evening. Um, first base was interesting. There were, you know, there's a couple of first basemen that I think are, are with the look uh, tonight. Drew brought up Eric Thames. He's he's forty eight hundred dollars for the Milwaukee Brewers. I ended up spending fifty five hundred. I went with Paul Goldschmidt. And you know, you want to talk about uh, hot right now. Paul Goldschmidt is as hot, about as hot as you can possibly get. And he's been pretty consistently hot for a couple of weeks uh, right now. In his last 50 at-bats, Paul Goldschmidt, 25 freaking hits, man. Six home runs. All right? This is over the last 12 games, so essentially over about the last two weeks. 25 for 50. 25 for 50. He's hitting 500. He's hitting 500 over the last 12 games with six home runs. So um, we've got Paul Goldschmidt uh, in the lineup. Um, you know, we've kidded in the past about how, you know, we just sort of keep Matt Carpenter in the lineup on a daily basis. I, You know, I was thinking about going with with uh, with Villar in this spot, uh, but I changed it to Carpenter. You know, the Carpenter's been very, very good. I think he's in a decent spot here against Pavetta as well. He's hit safely in nine of his last uh, nine games. So we're going to go with uh, Matt Carpenter. Uh, we were talking about Bartolo Colon, and uh, we do have to get some exposure here. Uh, we got to get a piece of uh, some of these Kansas City Royal bats. And uh, Mike Moustakis uh, will be one of the bats that we're going to uh, expose ourselves to here. In a great spot versus uh, Colon. We were just talking about the hot winds uh, blowing out. So this is, uh, here's our our next pick is, uh, this is the cheap punt uh, of the night at it might be a nice roll of the dice uh, here with a uh, uh, Med Rosario. 
Got a day off on Sunday, $2,800. He's at Coors tonight. Um, listen, he's not very good, but he did have 24 DK points in the last three games before the day of rest. Similar situation with Alex Gordon. He's $2,900, all right? Alex Gordon obviously is Alex Gordon, but he faces Bartolo Colon tonight. And, um, you know, I think you're getting... Uh, you're getting, you're getting a, you, it's a gamble, but you're getting exposure in a baseball game. If there's probably going to be a lot of runs scored, and Kansas City's due to break loose tonight, twenty nine hundred dollars. We don't need that much for from Gordon to get uh, to get some production, and uh, we're going to take Ryan Braun tonight. You know, I I don't mind. We talked about this with Drew, and he agreed about. Uh, listen, Williams has struggled. I think Milwaukee's going to win this game. I think Milwaukee's going to score some runs in this game. And I, you know, I don't I didn't have a problem with it was pretty much Chef's uh, Chef's choice here. I didn't have a problem with Lorenzo Cain. I don't have a problem with Ryan Braun. We talked about uh Villar, uh putting Villar in the lineup as well, but ultimately I went with Ryan Braun. So my outfield is Ryan uh Ryan Braun, Marcelo Zuna and Alex Gordon. The lineup is Trevor Bauer, Ian Kennedy, uh, Real Mudo, Goldschmidt, Carpenter, Mustakis, Rosario, Braun, Ozuna, and Alex Gordon. We should have gotten, we, we would talk more about uh, Cam's great uh, golf uh, lineup, but uh, if you followed Cam's, uh, Cam's lineup, you crushed it. Unfortunately for Cam, he, he entered such a small tournament. Always a day late, dollar short. All right, so we, we spoke about some of these uh, some of these trends that are going on right now. It really is unbelievable, though, isn't it? The Chicago White Sox are 14-1-1 of the under in the last 16 games. On Sunday, they lost 3-1, but a clear, a clear uh, under. Over the last 10 games, they've averaged just 2.7 runs uh, per game. Chicago White Sox pitching. Over the last uh, 16 games, 3.2 runs uh, only giving up. I like the under 8.5 tonight in this baseball game. Now let's get into some of the um, the Atkins diet. Let's get in. These are uh, Vince Atkins, the Atkins diet trends. Vince Atkins. And his uh, he likes the, uh, the totally insane, the totally insane trends that that people like have a hard time even understanding and saying what 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 about so like the Milwaukee Brewers are eleven and zero straight up as a favorite off a game in which they struck out at least ten times. The Philadelphia Phillies are zero and ten as an underdog in a series opener with no rest off a one run win. <laughs> See this? These are the type of trends where, like, how many of you listening right now are like, man, yeah, it might be ten and zero, but that's just sort of meaningless. That doesn't mean anything. Did the Philadelphia Phillies lose by one run yesterday? <laughs> that's I don't know. I've been so uh, I've been so caught up in the uh, in the soccer. Hell is a stupid Philadelphia Philly score. Major League Baseball scores. 
you know, the prop, the prop, uh, the prop doesn't mean anything. Was it a one-run game with the Phillies yesterday? Yes, it was ten nine. Oh, that's right, it was ten nine. Yeah, all these Phillies games scoring a million freaking runs. So yeah, so the Philadelphia Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies are zero and ten, and they are an underdog. So they're zero and ten as an underdog in a series opener with no rest after a one-run win. So that's interesting. Milwaukee are 11 and 0 straight up as a favorite off a game in which they struck out at least 10 times and the Phillies are 0 and 10 as a dog in a series opener with no rest after a uh, after they win a game by one run. And we're on the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. This is a can't miss. It's a combined 21 and 0. I remember I remember last month we were talking about this. There was like a combined 34 and 0 prop basically. It was like the combination of both of these was like 34-0, and it ended up losing. But basically, we have a 21-0 combination trend here tonight. All right, the Milwaukee Brewers are 11-0 straight up as a favorite off a home game in which they struck out at least 10 times. And the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are 0-10 as an underdog in a series opener with no rest after a a game in which they win by one run. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Are twelve and zero straight up when their line is within twenty cents of a pick'em, and they are off a game in which Paul Goldschmidt has had multiple hits. See, I told you the Atkins diet trends are extremely uh, rare and random. And here we go: the Angels, of course, are exactly minus uh, twenty cent favorites here, minus one twenty over the visiting D-backs. You've got. Uh, Zach Greinke on the hill against Barria. I actually like Arizona in this game a little bit. I don't love Arizona, but I like Arizona. And I'm intrigued now that I see this trend uh, as well. The St. Louis Cardinals are 0-16 straight up as a road favorite after a game in which they had fewer left on uh, fewer men left on base than their opponent. So to repeat, the St. Louis Cardinals are 0-16 as a road favorite. And uh, this game has actually been bet down to a pick right now. So technically, the Cardinals aren't a road favorite right now. They were earlier in the day. It was like minus 115 or something like that. But right now, it's minus 110. So they're technically not the road favorite anymore. But the Cardinals are 0-16 straight up as a road favorite after a game in which they uh, had uh, fewer... Fewer uh, left uh, men left on base uh, than their opponent. So you know what? I like these two trends today, and I like—I already like the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm going to jump on the trend here, and we're going to blame Vince Atkins if it doesn't—it uh, doesn't win. Uh, but we're going to ride it. The Diamondbacks, 12 and 0 straight up when their line uh, was within 20 cents of a pick'em, and uh, they're off a home game in which Paul Goldschmidt has had multiple hits. All right, so uh, speaking of DFS, uh, if you guys uh, want to play some free uh, DFS and you want to go to a 2018 World Series game, tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 11th and July 17th as we're going to be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play is 844-843-6879. Write it down so you're ready to go. And, uh, hey, who doesn't want to go to the World Series for free? 844-843-6879. The contest is sponsored by DKMS. They're looking for your help. 
in the fight against blood cancer for many patients. A bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families. 70%, nearly 14,000 each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. Find out how you can help the cause. Go to dailyroto.com, BKMS. That's dailyroto.com, BKMS. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Baseball, we'll get to our uh, our best bets of the night in a couple of minutes. We'll get you uh, caught up to uh, caught up to date what's going on in the sports uh, world today. The biggest stories of the day, obviously, the World Cup, the biggest sporting event uh, in the world. England survives a scare from Tunisia. The Tunisians gave the Brits all that they could handle, but ultimately, Harry Kane uh, scores a a late uh, goal to give England a two one victory. Tomorrow, actually, um, tomorrow is the um, the final the final day of the um, you know we're going to see teams play for the first time and we have teams playing again for the first time essentially like Colombia and Japan and Poland and Senegal haven't played yet they're the last teams to play their first games and Russia will play their second game tomorrow already like Russia plays Egypt tomorrow at two o'clock in the afternoon. And, of course, Russia won 5-0 against Saudi Arabia in the World Cup opener on Thursday, which feels like uh, it was an eternity ago already. Uh, so they won 5-0 in that game. And I do believe, and this isn't so much that, oh, Vladimir Putin is, is Darth Vader and he runs the world, but I do believe that Saudi Arabia rolled over for Russia. I really do. I think they allowed Russia to score five goals. Like basically, everyone else in the group is screwed right now. Like you're screwed. You're not. You know, unless you're able to beat Saudi Arabia six nothing, you're not going to be able to catch Russia on goal differential now. And Saudi Arabia aren't that bad, right? They're not that great. I'm not saying they're a great team, but they're not that bad. You know, I think they rolled over and they they listen. Saudi Arabia knows. And Saudi Arabia had zero chance of advancing into the next round, okay? They're not beating Uruguay. Yeah, people thought that, uh, listen, Russia were minus 225 favorites against Saudi Arabia. People thought they could sort of play with Russia, but, you know, where I'm going with this, moving forward, watch. Like when Saudi Arabia plays Egypt, it's they're going to be really good suddenly. It'll be like, oh, hey, suddenly we don't suck as much. <laughs> and... 
listen, soccer is like this. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, you know, South Korea made it to the final four, right? When when the tournament was in South Korea, was it because they were really good? Did they get every call? So Russia plays Egypt tomorrow. It's a really big game for the Egyptians. And uh, Russia Russia will put themselves in a really nice spot, essentially just even with a draw. Even though Russia's going to be gunning for a win. So we got Colombia and Japan in the morning. And we've done very well with the World Cup, actually. We, you know, very well. Well, we should say pretty good. The problem is... Look, there's basically three games a day, and, you know, today we pretty much hit all three of them. We, you know, we couldn't – the problem is I got a little cocky. I lost, like, that halftime, full-time stuff. But the thing is, yeah, we're hitting soccer bets, but also, you know, at times we've got to lay juice on them, right? So you lose a bet, and then suddenly your day isn't great here with this stuff. These games are a little trickier tomorrow. Everybody thought this last group was the toughest group. Like, everybody picking groups and parlays and stuff. You know, we don't, we didn't really touch this group too much because it's such a toss-up between Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Um, so we got 8 in the morning, the Colombians uh, take on Japan. Colombia is a dangerous team. They're minus 138. I do believe that uh, they'll win this game. So I'll lay the minus 138 with Colombia. I'm going to lock in my final picks overnight, but... My early leans for you guys uh, right now. Uh, we'll, we'll beat Colombia to win the match against Japan at minus 138. Poland and Senegal. This should be a fun game. Now, Poland are, are pretty heavily hyped coming into this tournament. And I think they might be a little bit overhyped. A lot of the European teams, they get hyped up a lot because they're from Europe. I think Senegal are going to give them all that they can handle. I wouldn't be surprised if this game was a draw. Or I'll be looking at Senegal, you know, plus a goal, plus a goal and a half. We can get Senegal. Let's see, alternative, alternative Asian handicap. Senegal, Senegal. Ugh. No, the odds suck. The odds suck with Senegal at plus one and a half. So you can basically go uh, double chance, draw or Senegal, minus 167 if you wanted to uh, cover both ends. I do believe Colombia should be able to win the game. Poland and Senegal, there should be goals. I mean, if you're betting unders, you're making money in this tournament. And the total is two and a half. And it's minus 200 to the under. You know, it's deceptive because a lot of these African teams, they score a lot in qualifications, right? Like Nigeria scored a million goals in qualification, but they get to the World Cup and they're not playing against, you know, Ghana anymore and stuff. And they're playing against these real, real tough European sides and they have a hard time scoring. So I'm surprised to see that the total is minus 200 there. And then we got Russia and Egypt. Mo Salah is going to be back for the Egyptians. Monster game for Egypt. I wouldn't be surprised if this one's a draw. To be honest, if you're just looking at this from a soccer standpoint, Egypt at plus 320 are pretty tempting. Egypt at plus 320 is very, very tempting. It's like Russia's not better than Egypt, really. Except Russia just won 5-0, so everyone's like, oh, God, Russia are really good. And the thing is, it's in Russia. 
So a penalty kick here, a bad call there. God knows what's going to happen. And then on uh, on uh, on Wednesday, things get fun again. Got some cool matchups: Uruguay versus Saudi Arabia, Portugal, Morocco, Iran, and Spain. We sort of go through the round robin, and then uh, next week uh, stuff gets crazy, where it'll be all the big teams playing against each other and knockout stages, and that's when the penalty kicks uh, will be coming into play. So yeah, those, that that's the schedule for tomorrow morning: eight a.m. Colombia, Japan. 11 a.m. Poland and Senegal, 2 p.m. Russia and Egypt. And, of course, we'll be on right after uh, that. The other big story of the day, the other big story of the day, and all we should note, this has actually just come across the wire, speaking of Saudi Arabia. (laughs) It's been an eventful tournament for Saudi Arabia so far. Of course, I was just talking about how I think Saudi Arabia rolled over in a shady fashion against Russia. And then, of course, uh, one of the heads of uh, Saudi Arabia said that three players specifically will face severe penalties when they get back home. The Saudi Arabia national team suffered a scare on its flight to uh, Rostov for the second match of the World Cup against Uruguay on Wednesday due to what the team called in a statement technical failure in one of the uh, airplane's engines. The team's flight reportedly caught fire in midair. In a statement, the team assured soccer fans that it was safe, although it was shaken. According to the Saudi Arabian Football Federation, all the Saudi national team players had arrived safely and are currently staying in their resident, and the fire was merely an accident. I don't know. Did anyone accuse you of not being an accident? Because let's be real, you threatened the team the other day. <laughs> like, I don't know. You threatened the team. You threatened the team with severe penalty after losing 5 nothing, And now the team playing catches fire. And then the, the Saudi release the thing. No, it's just, a, just an accident. It's all right. What are you guys, psychos? You set the plane on fire? <laughs> like, scared, little, send a little scare to the boys. And all kidding aside, we shouldn't even joke about stuff like this, but, like, people are asking, like, what do you mean penalties? What does that mean? Yeah, so the Saudi uh, the Saudi team's plane caught the fire. And then the other story of the day, the other story of the day is, uh, and it's a big story, Barry, Barry Trotz, actually. Barry Trotz resigning. Um, from the Washington Capitals, and not to retire. Not like, oh, I won a Stanley Cup, now I'm going to retire. In that he has a coach option to leave, and they don't want to pay him. Cam uh, Cam Stewart went over uh, some of the coaches' uh, salaries um, in the National Hockey League, and he's one of the lower-paid uh, coaches in the National Hockey League who just won a Stanley Cup. And there's a lot of talk already right now about the New York Islanders. So this is where things get interesting right now because the New York Islanders are pretty much always just a circus train wreck. And a lot of talk about John Tavares leaving the New York Islanders. But they bring in Lou Lamorello. And Lou Lamorello is a serious guy. And Lou Lamorello has a solid reputation 
in the National Hockey League. So you bring in a Lou Lamorello, maybe John Tavares is thinking, all right, maybe we're getting serious here. You bring in a Barry Trotz, and then you're getting, you know, a lot more serious. And then suddenly, you know, the the Islanders become a more attractive uh, franchise for players to want to play for because they're on solid foundation. The thing is, the New York Islanders never had solid foundation over the years. You, know, you have Lou Lamorello there. You have Barry Trotz there. You have John Tavares there. Then other people will want to be there. Who doesn't want to, you know, it's New York. I don't know where the hell they're going to be. Aren't they going back to, uh, to Long Island? So that has uh, a domino effect. Domino effect uh, on the rest of the league right now with Barry Trotz, specifically most probably the New York Islanders right now. And I see there's a report uh, here right now as well that my NBA basketball team, Mark Stein, is reporting. Mark Stein is reporting that nobody, nobody is off limits on the Toronto Raptors roster. And that the Toronto Raptors want to trade into the top 10 of the NBA draft. Well, I have a hard time believing that uh, everybody on the roster, you know, if you're trading DeMar DeRozan, you better be getting more than just a top 10 pick. Yeah, I do believe that Masai Ujiri is going to shake things up. So we're going to jump in, NBA draft. I mean, we've been a lot of World Cup talk. I know not everyone's into the soccer, uh, but we are giving you good picks. We are making money off of this. So we're going to jump into the NBA uh, throughout the week. And something that I didn't get to that I wanted to get to uh, earlier, actually, is uh, Mike Leach. Head coach Mike Leach in Washington State is uh, starting to get... um, I don't know. He's starting to get. Uh, he's starting to get a uh, little, little flaky and uh, and shaky with his Twitter accounts. As he's veering sort of into conspiracy uh, theory type stuff. And uh, so basically the gist of it is, it's been, you know, for the last couple of weeks, Mike Leach has been saying a lot of crazy things on Twitter. Um, But he raised it up a notch. So now he basically, he retweeted a video of Barack Obama. Like he's been retweeting sort of like, you know, Donald Trump Jr. And, you know, Breitbart and just different stuff. And he's sort of, he's, you know, he's getting more and more political. But he uh, he tweeted out a video of Barack Obama talking about the Barack Obama was talking about how the average citizen is too stupid in the world to actually you know know anything. So that's why smarter people are in control and make laws for them. And you know, basically, it was sort of an insinuation that dumb people shouldn't vote, right? You know, sort of the elitist view. And, you know, sort of the, um, you know, the Ben Shapiro, ben Shapiro types. I'm not going to say alt-right, but, you know, just sort of right-wing types that hate Barack Obama. He's been tweeting a lot of this stuff recently. and But he, he tweeted a video out 
of Barack Obama that made Barack seem as if though, and listen, I think Barack Obama probably does think this, as does, does every politician actually thinks that. But the thing is, the video was doctored. Like, Mike Leach didn't show, like, basically, you know, it's the internet, man. People want to make people look and, you know, like they're saying things or they're not or whatever. So, basically, Barack Obama, there's a video that says, you know, I think people that are, you know, they're not smart enough that we need to make the decisions for them. And But then he goes, but that's not how I think. And then he went on to say about how everyone's important in the global and in the world and et cetera. So, they basically took it out of context, sliced it, and then put it out there. But Mike Leach is retweeting it and stuff. And now the question is, you know, the thing is, he's a state employee. And, in fact, Mike Leach is the highest-paid state employee in the state of Washington, which is pretty insane. You know, does he, and he makes more money than Peterson in Washington does? Because I saw that he was the highest-paid state employee at $3.5 million a year. Like, look at Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is getting $1.5 He wins the Stanley Cup. Mike Leach hasn't won jack. Mike Leach is one of the most overrated coaches in, in all of sport. Oh, he's a genius in this and that. Yeah, Mike Leach is funny. He does a good interview, and he's funny. All right? He's not a great coach. I mean, he's all right, but, I, you know, for the money that you pay him and stuff, but he's just an idiot. And the thing is, there are people always talking about Mike Leach is a genius, and his IQ and all this type stuff. So that's what makes it more disturbing to me. He knows he's tweeting out fake crap. That's that's the thing. And it's not the first time he's done it. You know, that's the thing that gets me. Mike Leach, like, I get it. You know, there's a lot of stupid jarheads out there on the left and the right on all sides that want to doctor things and always, you know, to make their point. You can make your point without actually lying. If you don't like Barack Obama, just say you don't like Barack Obama. But if you're Mike Leach and you actually have this IQ that you have and you're this genius that you pretend to be and you you are knowingly basically spreading crap that you know isn't true because you're not an idiot. I know you're not an idiot. I'm not I think Mike Leach is overrated as a coach, but I don't think he's I don't think he's an idiot. So he's knowingly doing this, which is almost more uh, disturbing. But for the record, Washington has his back. Washington State University. Adam Rohn is coming up next, Scout Radio. So our baseball picks, Indians-Astros parlay, minus 127. Indians-Astros parlay, minus 127. Give me the White Sox and the Indians, under 8.5. The Milwaukee Brewers beat the Pittsburgh Pirates, minus 125. And the Dodgers' hot streak continues. And uh, they burn the Chatwood. Give me the Dodgers. Other than that, you're on your own late.